Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Ever, only, all for thee. Man, those are strong words for us to say this morning. Uh, Thank you so much for singing to the Lord today and entering into worship today. Um, What is the, uh, I want to ask you a question, start today. What's the most outrageous thing that you would do (laughs) to win $10,000? Now, some of you, I don't want to know what you would do, but uh, so, but, but. What's the most outrageous thing that you would do to win $10,000? I heard of a radio station up in Chicago that uh, had a contest several years ago with that, for that reason. And they asked people, what's the most outrageous thing, craziest thing you would do to win $10,000? So I'm sure there were all kinds of uh, entries into the contest. The guy that won, I don't have his name, but he's from Indiana. And this is what he said he would do and what he did to win, win $10,000, he said he would eat, and he did eat, an 11-foot-tall birch tree. So he, that's what he did. And so he did it upright and put a table out there. He wore a tuxedo. He had fine china and, and had a candle on the table, had some pruning shears. He would cut the tree apart and eat it Bark, leaves, root, and all. I mean, he ate the whole thing. His favorite salad dressing is French dressing, so he used French dressing on his birch tree. Took him 18 hours over the course of three days to eat an 11-foot-tall birch tree to win $10,000. I don't want to know what happened after those three days, but I'm just telling you, it it couldn't have been fun. But he ate an 11-foot-tall. People... Money will make you do some crazy things. Money will make you do some crazy things. So I want to give you a heads up. This is a sermon today about money. It's a sermon today about money. A lot of folks uh, say, you know, every time I go to church, all they do is preaching about money. All they do is talk about money, which that's not, that's not the truth. In the last year and a half, I think this is the first sermon I've actually preached centered on money. Not, not that I'm afraid to or not that I'm not going to, because this won't be the last one. I go, get, go ahead and give you a heads up on that too. But you know, I find the people that say that kind of stuff that say, you know, every time I go, all they do is talk about money. You know, what I find out is number one, that's a cop out because that's not the truth. And number two, it's usually the people that, uh, you know, the reason they say that is because they're, they're looking for a reason not to come to church. You know what I'm talking about? They're looking for a reason not to come because they know when they come, they're going to get under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they don't like that because when the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits your life, things change. And they don't want that. And so that's their excuse. So every time I go, all they do is talk about money. I, I can't tell you how many times over the last 40 years I've heard somebody say that. Let me tell you something. We better talk about it because Jesus show talked about it a lot. Several of his parables, it was either the main subject or a very important part of parables that he told. He talked about it a lot. Lots of New Testament teaching on money all throughout Scripture. The money is talked about. It's, 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 clearly, it's clearly a subject that needs to be addressed in our lives. I'm going to give you some reasons why. I didn't put this on a slide. I wish I had. But I want to give you some reasons why. If you're going to jot some notes down here, some of you might want to just jot some stuff down here. I want to give you three negative reasons and then three positive reasons why 
money's an issue that we ought to address. Here's some negative reasons. Number one, a negative reason is that it can become our God, little g. It can become our God. It can control our lives. It can become our God. You think about Jesus and when he had the, do you remember his encounter with the guy that was the rich young ruler? You remember that? Young man came up to him, very wealthy young man came up to him and said, Lord, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you need to keep these commandments. And then so the guy kind of pompously said, well, you know, well, you know I've, I've kept all those commandments. And Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what, there's one more thing. You go sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. Because Jesus realized, because he was God with skin on, and he knew what was going on in that kid's heart, that young man's heart, he knew that that was the, that was the controlling force in that young man's life. Money was on the throne of that kid's life. Money might be on the throne of your life. Might be your God. That's one of the, it can damage our, it can become our God. Secondly, it can damage our families. It can damage our lives. It can damage our lives. You know, we talk about, we, we don't talk about greed very much. Just like, just like we don't talk about gluttony very much. But we don't talk about greed very much. We like our fried chicken too much, amen. But so we don't talk about gluttony. And we don't talk about, if I were to go around this room and ask you, what's the worst sin you can think of? I guarantee you, if, no, very few, if anybody would say that greed would be the worst sin you could think of. And yet, it's one of, it's one of the things that Jesus said, it'll, it'll destroy you. The Word of God tells us that. Jot down Proverbs 15, 27. It says, greed brings grief to the whole family. We've been dedicating families all, all day today. We've been talking about families, all to, putting families up in front of the church. I'm telling you, greed will destroy your family. It'll destroy this church family. It'll destroy your, your biological family, greed. It's, it'll destroy your life. Money will destroy your life. And a third negative reason why we better address it is that it can lead us to make some bad decisions. It can lead to some bad decisions. And, you know, Paul wrote about it, and he didn't say money, because this verse has been misquoted a lot, First Timothy 6.10. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. He said the what of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because man, when you love that money, and when it's your God, man, you'll make all kinds of decisions so you can get some more. You'll shade the books over here. You'll ease a little you know, for out of the out of the... Uh, this account over here, and you'll, you, and, ah, this ain't too bad, and it's not, and man, it'll lead to all kinds of, it'll destroy your life. So we better talk about it. But there's some positive reasons why we all talk about it too. Why? Because it can use, be used to bless and help other people. I mean, obviously, money can do that. Money can, you can use, whether it's, whether it's just, you know, pulling up to the, you know, the, the, the stoplight at Lakeland Drive and, and the I-55 ramp at Lakeland where there's always some homeless people standing there and you and I can debate on whether or not you ought to give them any money. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I get on the inside lane. I hope I'm the last person. I hope the light changes and I have to stop and the guy is standing right here. I don't try to, I don't try to avoid his glance. I don't try to pretend like I'm not looking at him. I'm going to try to pretend like I don't see him there. I don't do that. I roll the window down. Whatever money I've got, I take it and pull it out and give it to him. Maybe a dollar, five dollars, maybe 20 bucks I give to him. Well, what if he goes and buys booze? Guess what? That's on him, not on me. Amen? 
If I bless that guy with some money and then have the opportunity to say, hey man, before I pull away from here, what's your name? So I can pray for you as I drive down the road today. It's not just some person. It's just some nameless person. Somebody's got a story. And somebody that God loves deeply. And somebody for whom Jesus Christ died. If I can, or if I can write a check and build a building for a church or a whatever, money can be used to bless and help other people. Secondly, it can deepen our faith in the Lord and in His provision. Man, we've all got those stories. We've got those times in our lives, and we'll have more of those times where we wonder where, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to make it through this month? How am I going to do this? I remember when Vicky and I were in seminary and and uh, back in the uh, mid '80s, that you know, we what, man, she, you know, I, I, I wasn't making any money. I was working part time. I was full time seminary student. She was working to try to get us through, and had we had our first child, and just like, and there were multiple times, and go to the little mailbox and open it up, and there'd be a check in there from some dear lady in my home church. So I was just thinking about you and Vicky today, and here's a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, oh my, yes, you know, we're gonna make it. We're not gonna die. And God just, God will provide. He'll do that in individual. He'll do that in our church's life. And then money can also help us spread the gospel. It can, it can help us spread the gospel. So today we're going to talk about specifically, we're going to talk about money, specifically tithing and giving. We're going to talk about money and giving to the Lord's work through the local church. Let me tell you real quick, a little side story. Yesterday I went to Cleveland. I was in Cleveland yesterday. Vicky and I went up to visit with Mama and had a good visit with her. And and uh, I had uh, I'd actually we we went to lunch and ate a big lunch. Came back and we were talking. I got drowsy after lunch. You know, so I said I'm going. Uh, you and Vicky, y'all, y'all can talk. I'm going to take a nap. So I went to the back bedroom, my old bedroom, and went. And, Laid down and, and took about an hour long nap or something. Got up, walked back out to the sunroom where Vicky and Mama were talking. And so we're just. And if you had, if you had never been church here uh, yet, then uh, you've never heard me uh, talk about my mama. If you've been to church here anytime, you heard me talk about my mama. And she's a great godly woman. And so she asked me yesterday. She said, "What you preaching on tomorrow?" And I said, "I'm preaching on tithing." And she jumped up. And she went and grabbed her Bible. I love Mama's Bible. Almost every time I go home, I go get her Bible at some point, just sit down and flip through it. I just love reading it and seeing all the stuff that she's written in it and the pages are falling out and the, the cover's coming off of it. And, and uh, so she jumped up, went and grabbed her Bible, put her glasses on, went and sat down. She, I, and this is what she said when she jumped up. When I said I'm preaching on tithing, she jumped up. She said, I love tithing. And she jumped up, went and grabbed her Bible. And she, she said, come here, Johnny. Come here, Johnny. She calls me Johnny. Come here, Johnny. Johnny, come here. Come here. Come here. Sit down right here. Come here. Come here. Sit down beside me. And she was flipping and looking through. And I write a lot of stuff in the front covers of my Bible and front pages of my Bible, too. And I got that from Mama. And so write stuff that somebody said or a sermon I heard or something like that. And she grabbed her. And she said, oh, I found it. I found it. Come here. Come here look at this look at this and on the inside of her bible on one of those pages she said this this guy right here it was april of 2015 she said this guy right here came and preached this the best sermon i've ever heard on tithing and she had the four points to this message written on the inside cover of her bible she said the young man the, the guy that came and preached he was a guy named rick blah 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 i said ricky Blythe, and she said yeah yeah that's his name you know him and I said, well, Mama, he was pastor at First Pass Flora. 
years ago before I got really and she's the best sermon so I'm not preaching Ricky's sermon today all right so I'm not but it, it's just and mama I just say to you that she said I love tithing could that be your testimony grab your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 3 Malachi chapter 3 is the last book in the Old Testament and it's the um there are four chapters in Malachi. I said three in earlier service, but it's four chapters, and and uh, it's close. Malachi chapter three, verses seven through ten. Would you stand, please, and let's read this passage of scripture. I hope you got your Bible with you today. Uh, we're going to be looking at several passages of scripture today. Uh, Malachi chapter three, beginning in verse seven. God is speaking. He said, "From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, my commands, and you have not kept them. So return to me, and I will return to you." says the Lord of hosts, but you say, but how shall we return? And God speaks again and says, will, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Whew. I don't know about you. I don't want to hear God say that to me. Yet you are robbing me. And you say how we robbed you in your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe, the whole tithe, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Says the Lord of hosts, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing for you until there is no more need. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, we trust you now to reveal truth to us, to teach us, and give us the ability and the strength and the, uh, the faith to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much. If you've ever heard a, a sermon on tithing, you can go ahead and be seated. If you've ever heard a sermon on tithing, you've probably heard from that passage of Scripture. Probably the, the most well-known passage of Scripture in the Bible regarding tithing. So let me just tell you what it's all about real quick. So a little synopsis. Malachi, Old Testament prophet. Prophets were the spokesmen for God. And so basically they reported what God said to report. They said what God said to say, which is what's supposed to happen from this pulpit every Sunday. If God says to say it, I'm supposed to say it. And you trust me to say what God has said to say. And, and so God would say, go tell my people this. Tell them this. And so the prophet was, was required to, to say what God told him to say. And sometimes it was a message of, of hope, sometimes a message of joy, sometimes a message, of, but sometimes it was a message of judgment, sometimes it was a message of impending disaster, always with a view toward repentance and restoration and reconciliation with God. I mean, you see, even what, what, what God says here through Malachi says, Return to me and I will return to you. Because if you read the book of Malachi, like I said, it's only four chapters. You could read it this week. Go back and look, and you'll see why God was, had told Malachi, tell my people this. And it's interesting, this is the last. After, after this book closes, there are 400 years of silence that God doesn't speak. Interesting that one of the last things he's talked about was trusting him with our tithes. But as you look and see what was going on with the people of God, man, they were, the priests, the leaders of the church had become corrupt. <laughs> has, that, has that ever been a problem in the church? The worship of God had become routine. 
What if that ever happens in this room? Did we just kind of go through the motions? We're worshiping God today. What if that ever happens? It just becomes routine. Doesn't stir our heart anymore. We don't really think about what we were saying, singing or saying or reading and just kind of, well, I wonder if the preacher's going to, well, I know he's not going to finish on time today. I mean, you know, it just becomes routine. They were, the, the people were, the divorce was widespread. Um, they were abusing and taking advantage of vulnerable people, oppressing people, and they were neglecting the tithe. It's interesting, and all of those things that God said that the people of that His people were doing and not doing, one of the things He included for the prophet to tell them was, "You're neglecting the tithe." That says to us how important this was to God. So we see this what, as God speaking and telling them, talk to them about the tithe. Now let me tell you, most of you know this, but just as a, as a way of reminder, and maybe for some that are not clear on this, the word tithe, the, the, the Hebrew root for this word means ten or a tenth part, one tenth. That's why when I was a kid, you know, growing up, when Daddy and Mama were teaching us, we were, grew up in a 1,200-square-foot house, three boys, Mom and Daddy, a dog, and one bathroom, and we made it just fine. I mean, and Mama's still living in that house. After we all left, she and Daddy uh, built onto the house. I never quite understood that, but they, they did. And so, so, but my bedroom, until my older brother left to go to college, my little brother and I shared a bedroom. And so on Sunday morning, I get up, put my Sunday, uh, Sunday school clothes on, I come out, of the, and so you come down the hallway there, one hallway with the bedrooms and the bath, a little living room up here and a kitchen right there. Come out of the hallway, the front door's right here. And when you come out of the hallway, there was a secretary, a, a piece of furniture called a secretary. Y'all know what that is. Fold down the little desk on the front. It's got the little cubby holes in there where you have different things. And so I'd come out, I'd fold the secretary's desk down, reach and get my little offering envelope box. I'd take it out. I'd put my name on it. Daddy'd be standing there. He'd hand me my quarter. I'd put it in my offering envelope. Take it my Bible, take it to Sunday school with me, and give it to. And then I kept doing that every Sunday until I got my first job when I was 13 years old at Gold Star Super, Gold Star Grocery Store, about two blocks away. And so when I got my first paycheck, Daddy said, "Okay, let me tell you what a tithe is. Let me teach you what a tenth is. If you make 20 bucks, then two dollars goes to the Lord. If you make 10 dollars, a dollar goes to the Lord. You make 100 dollars, 10 dollars goes to the Lord. That's the way that works. And so that's how I began to learn how to do that. The tenth went to the Lord." So when you hear the pastor talking about tithing and giving, the tithing part is the tenth. The giving is here. The giving is above the tithe. So you give the tenth to the church. You give the tenth to the Lord for the Lord's work. And then anything above that is the offering that you give. If you want to give more, and some of you should. God's blessed you more than 10%. You need to be given more. I knew, I told you before, I, there was a man in our church in Monticello that was given 50% of his income to the Lord. 50% of his income went to the Lord. He wasn't a wealthy man. He worked at the, the paper mill down there and, and, and gave 50% of his, his income to the Lord. So, but the giving is above. That's like if you want to give to Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong or the building fund or support a missionary somewhere or give to David Jeremiah's group or Charles Stanley or, or uh, whatever, then you do that above. You don't take that from the tithe. You do that above the tithe. So that's tithes and offerings, and that's what we're talking about today. And God's call on our lives today is the same as it was for His people for all time. 
His, his call on the Old Testament people was, seek me with all of your heart. Does he not say that to us too? His call in their lives was, live your life to bring honor and glory to me. What are we supposed to be doing? Living our lives, bring honor and glory to God. And then he told them to live a life of faith. Trust me. What does he say to us? We walk by faith and not by sight. And so the application for this message today is very simply this. Tithing and giving increases our faith in God's provision in our lives. Now listen, this is not an arm-twisting, compulsion, guilt-laden sermon today. This is just what the Word of God says. And let the Holy Spirit come and teach you and show you where you are in your walk with Him, specifically in this area. That's what this is today. And so what I want to do here today is, number one, I want to make a statement. Number two, I'm going to ask a question. Number three, this is why I hope you got your Bibles, because we're going to look at four different passages of Scripture. And then number four, I'm going to come back and answer that question. i got to do that all in about uh, 12 minutes. So y'all get ready. Here we go. So here is the statement. Number one, the Christian life is a life of faith. Amen? Amen. It's a life of faith. That means we believe God even though, all right, do you believe God is here today? Amen? You believe God is here? Do you really believe that? Are you just going through the motions? Are you like what Malachi, what God said to Malachi? Are you just kind of going through the motions? Or do you really believe? Why do you believe? Because you know it's a walk of faith. No, we can't see him, but man, we know, man, we know. We know this is the word of God. We know that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. We would die for Him and we may have to one day. We will live for Him because that's what they call in our life. And we believe this and we stand on it. We stake our life on it. It's a life of faith. So man, we live by, we're saved by faith. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves as a gift of God, not by works, lest no one can boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So we're saved by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We worship by faith. This choir has been singing. They sang a wonderful song, but they sang because they were singing not to us to perform for us. They were singing because they believed by faith that God heard them and was pleased with what they do. We're worshiping by faith. We serve by faith. And we give by faith. Our whole life. As a Christian, it's a life of faith. So that's our foundational statement. And then the question then is this, is tithing a practice for Christians today? That's the question that I hope I get to the end of the sermon and get the answer. Because let me tell you something. If you were to grab your phone right now, and I don't want you to do this if you don't mind, but you can do it later. If you were to grab your phone right now and Google that Question, is tithing for Christians today? You're going to find people everywhere on that spectrum. All over the map. Some of the most respected guys, if I said names right now, some of y'all's ears would perk up. Oh, I like him. Oh, I like him. Oh, yeah, man. If I said some of those names, I would tell you some of those guys say, no, it's not for Christians. Some of those guys say it's a false teaching. Now I can say some other names of people, oh man, I like him. Oh yeah, man, I like him, I like him. And they're, they're like, yes, it is for Christians. <laughs> and you got some way out there say, man, yes, it's commanded. If you don't do it, you're going to hell. I mean, you got, they're everywhere. I mean, it's just so, so that, that question is just, the people are all over the map on that. 
So I hope I'm going to get to answer that question here, but I want to give some biblical foundation for it. Tithing is Old Testament. You don't find that word very often in the New Testament. You find it one time where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He told them that they should keep tithing, but they shouldn't neglect all the other things too. So it's an Old Testament principle. But let's take a look at what we can learn from these Old Testament principles. Grab your Bibles now. Here we go. Genesis chapter 14. Go to the first book of the Bible. Genesis 14, verses 17 through 20. If you don't have your Bible, jot that passage down so you can go back and look at it. Genesis chapter 14. But I really encourage you to bring your Bible each Sunday. Very important to do that. Genesis 14, verse 17 says, After his re- this, this is Abraham, or Abram. This is before he, he became Abraham. So he's Abram. After his return, after Abram's return from the defeat of, that's, that's a hard name to say, so we're just going to keep on going. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. Now look, verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham wasn't commanded to give him a tenth of everything. Abraham said, you, got to, you can have a tenth of everything. Now, backstory here. Let me give you the backstory. Abram went out, fought this bloody battle. Vicious, bloody battle, came out victorious. Beat this king, victorious over this king in the armies, Kedolaomer, or something like that. They defeated him and defeated his armies. So when you defeated the king and you defeated his armies, you get all his stuff. You get all the goods, man. You get all the, you get all the, you capture all the soldiers, you capture all the slaves, you get all the cattle, you get all the bread, you get all the wine, you get all the grain, you get it all, man. You bring it home, bring the gold and the silver and everything, man. You coming home, you victorious, gonna have a parade, man, this ticker tape parade. Here comes Abram, he's coming home, he's victorious king. Got all the stuff. And Melchizedek stepped up. Now let me tell you a little bit about Melchizedek. We don't have time to do a whole lot of uh, uh, teaching on him, but let me just give you this real quick. Melchizedek, when you see Melchizedek mentioned in the Old Testament, you find him again mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And what Hebrews tells us is that when you see him here, like in Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek is a type or a representation of Jesus Christ. So in essence, it was as if Abram was coming home from the battle and walked in and all of a, walked down and all of a sudden, Jesus steps in front of him. And... and through Melchizedek, he said, "Blessed, you're blessed, Abram, by God. But then he pointed toward God and said, blessed be God because he's the one who has delivered you from your enemies. God, the glory went to God. The glory, the praise went to God. The thanksgiving went to God. And Abram's immediate response, that this was 400 years before the law was written. This was 400 years before Moses and Charlton Heston on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. This is 400 years before that. The law hadn't been written. This was an, an, just a voluntary response. 
Abram's response to the goodness and the deliverance and the faithfulness of God was just go, you can have tenth of everything. You can just have a tenth of everything. You're so right. God has done an amazing work here. God has delivered us. So take a tenth of everything. It was voluntary. It wasn't wasn't compulsory. It, It was just Abram's response to how good God had been. Do you hear that? Second passage, Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus, last chapter, last verses in Leviticus. Leviticus 27, the law has been given now. We are now into the Old Testament law. And this is what we see in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. One shall, uh, one shall not differentiate between good or bad. Neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. So now we are into the Old Testament law. Genesis 14 was before the law. Now we're into the law. And this command is clearly given to God's people, the Jewish people. And so what what we see here is that the tithe included all of a person's possessions, not just the money. And, and, and a person couldn't substitute, when you're, when you're tithing your animals, you couldn't substitute a bad animal for a good animal. I mean, if the herdsman was holding the staff up and the animals were coming to it, under it, the tenth one would be the Lord's. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, that one's God's. Well, if it was a scrawny cow, then give the scrawny cow to God. But if it happened to be your prize bull, guess what? You don't get to go, oh, man, I wish we had this sick cow over here. Let's, uh, let's keep that. You, could, you, you weren't supposed to do that. It all belonged to God, and God was very clear the Jews were to give him 10% of everything. This is where we see that tithe, that tenth being born out in the lives of God's people. So that's the second passage. Third passage is this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Again, Old Testament. Old Testament law, Deuteronomy chapter 14, two verses, verses 22 and 23. All right, now we're 40 years further down the road now. Genesis 14 was before the law. Leviticus 27 was in the law. Now we're 40 years further down the road. And Moses is about to die. You get to the end of Deuteronomy and you see that beautiful picture of God uh, taking Moses and taking him up on the mountain and burying him after Moses died. No, God, it was God. God took Moses and buried him and only God knows where. I just think that's really cool, man. And, and so Moses is about to die. He's given these final instructions to the people of God, verses 22 and 23. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock. Look at this, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. If you got the NIV, yours says that you may learn to honor the Lord. Other versions say that you may learn to respect the Lord, that you may learn to revere the Lord. One version says to teach you to put God first in all of your lives. To put God first. Y'all, that is the purpose of the tithe. 
It's not a legalistic requirement that we begrudgingly do. That's what I'm telling you. This is not a guilt trip kind of sermon. I'm just putting this out there and let you deal with it in your own personal life. It's not a guilt trip kind of thing. It's not a legalistic requirement. It's not an Old Testament income tax. It's not a way to line the preacher's pockets and that kind of thing. The foundational purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. Let me tell you something. We need to be teaching these youngins that. Are we teaching them to put put God first in their life? You know... I'm not saying my daddy did it perfect, but are you giving your kid a quarter every Sunday to bring to church? Are you giving them a dollar every Sunday to bring to church before they ever get a job, at least teaching them the importance of of being a part of that, that discipline in their lives? To put God first in our lives, man. Listen, it's so important. And on a practical side of that, when we talk about tithing, the people that I know that really experience the joy of tithing. Mama said, man, I love tithing. People that really experience the joy of tithing, they take that word first, literally. <laughs> Again, this isn't a legalistic thing, but they take it first because it, it, it helps to be disciplined in that area. I know multiple people that say, as soon as they get paid, the first check they write, a bunch of us don't write checks anymore, but if you still write a check, the first check that you write before you write the house payment, before you pay the car note, before you pay the tuition to the school, before you pay your hunting camp dues or anything else, the first check is your tithe check to support the Lord's work. Now, if you don't do paper checks like I don't do anymore, you do everything electronic. The first, As soon as I see on my phone that my paycheck has been direct deposited, I still have my phone out. I get out of that app. I go straight to our church's giving app, and I immediately go bam, 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 and I've given. As soon as my check hits, I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, for me, that's that helps me tremendously. Just go, The first thing I do before I start thinking about, well, man, I wonder if I can do this, this one. No. You just go. But God first. What did he say? Jesus, what did Jesus say? Matthew 6.33, seek what? The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you as well. We don't really believe that because we sure don't live that way. In fact, Paul said, even we talk about first, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, I remember my pastor, Brother Jim Hurt, every Sunday on, uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church. And we were a pretty formal church, pretty traditional in our worship. And, of course, everybody was back then. And so we were pretty formal and, and got that. And so the deacons would come forward during the offertory at the beginning. And Brother Hurt would step up to the pulpit, and he would say these words every Sunday morning. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. Let us pray. I didn't know he was quoting 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. It says, on the first day of the week, you give to the Lord. What's the first day of the week? (laughs) It's an act of worship. I'm not saying don't give if you can't give on Sunday, but I'm just saying, do you see the importance? Let's put God first. Put Him first. Moses was telling the people right here before he left the earth. And then finally, we get back to Malachi chapter 3. We're not going to read that passage again because there's one thing I want to point out to you. And then I'm going to answer that question and we're going to be through. So here we go. This is the only place in Malachi chapter 3 where God says, test 
me. Every other place that you see that in Scripture, you see the, <laughs> the commandment, don't test God. Do not test God. Deuteronomy 6.16, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus being tempted by Satan. Satan's tempting and tempting, and Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.16 to Satan and says, the reason I'm not going to do this is because the Word of God says, don't put God to the test. And yet here we go, <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. You don't believe me? Try me. Test me. Prove me. Scrutinize me. Examine me. See if I won't bless your socks off. That's in the Hebrew, by the way. Bless your socks off. I will open. Can, just get that in your mind. Get to a seat. Try to, some, whatever your mind does, try to think about what it must look like in heaven for God to. Open whatever the windows in heaven look like. They got to be cool. They got to be big. They got to be awesome because they're in heaven. They're God's windows. That He would open up the windows of heaven and just start, just start pouring out blessings into our lives if we would trust Him. Man, do we really believe that stuff? Now, look, this is not a health, wealth, prosperity, name it and claim it, sow thy seed, and God will bless you, you know, and prosper you. and what God is saying is that if you will trust me, I will take care of you. I will bless you in ways that you can't, you just, you just can't fathom it. You just can't get your brain around it. We think we can, but we can't. So God says, you test me. I talked to a young man who's in his mid-30s, okay? Faithful tither, mid-30s, married, kids, house note, life, just like everybody. I said, give me your testimony on tithing. If you were to tell somebody why you tithe, what would it be? He said, to me, it's the easiest way to put action with your faith. You say you trust him and you want him to change your life. But if you're scared of missing the money, then you're saying you aren't even sure he can cover the 10% you're going to miss. He said it's a famine mentality instead of abundance. Oh, wow, that's a lot of wisdom for a 30-year-old young man. All right, so now back to the question and I'll finish up. Is tithing a practice for Christians today? It is if, number one, you believe God. Now, look, that's not the, <laughs> I knew he's going to get us because everybody believes God. You know, no, no, that's not, that's not it. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. If you believe God, if you believe God that everything that you have belongs to him, not just the 10%, that he owns everything. And if you believe Deuteronomy 8.18, that it is God who gives you the power to make your money, it's not because you're a good businessman. It's not because you know how to handle your money and because you got an MBA or whatever you is. No, no, it's not because you're smart. It's because God has given you the ability and the power to make your wealth. And everybody in here is wealthy by the world standards, by the way. And that you believe that God will take care of you and meet every need that you have, Philippians 4.19.
Tithing is for you if you believe God. Tithing is for you if it's for us if you want to bless others. If you want to bless others, if you want to feed hungry people, if you want to help those in disasters, man, Avondale, Louisiana, right before the 8 o'clock service this morning, Mark Sandifer got a text from Mark Daniels, who's the pastor of First Baptist Church Avondale, where we're doing our hurricane relief work. He got a text from him and said, man, what, you know, what's, what are y'all doing? How, how, you know, when are y'all coming back? What's going on? The rains that have been continued to come in have now gotten back into the building. We're having more damage now. We're having to tear more stuff out when, you know, and so because of our ability to tithe and to give, then we're able to go and help those people. We've already given enough money uh, to put a roof on their building, to put a metal roof on their building. We're going to go back down there in just a few weeks and do that for them. And when, when you tithe and when you give, you are able to bless people. You're able to help and provide relief and comfort for people who are in need. Y'all remember Kevin and Christina Buss? The missionaries from Russia that we, I couldn't tell you their names, but now I can, but you remember they're the ones that got kicked out. The authorities came to their house and pounded on the door of their their apartment in Russia and kicked them out of the nation just a few, a few weeks ago. Well, right now, today, this moment, they're at Ridgecrest, North Carolina and Black Mountain, North Carolina. They're at the conference center there that Southern Baptists built years ago. So because Southern Baptists tithed and gave, that conference center was built so that a missionary family who, who had to flee for their lives from Russia are able to be there and experience relief and rest and restoration from the Lord right now. And they'll be here in our church, by the way, in just a few weeks when they come back, come back through. If you want to bless others, man, if you want to be involved in God's work, it's for you. It's for us if we want to be involved in God's work, man. Missions, I know not everybody can go on missions. We always say, man, it's time to go on a mission trip. Not everybody can go, I understand that, but you can give and so that others can go. But side note is, there's some of y'all that need to go and you ain't going. And I'll, that'll be another sermon soon. But man, being involved in missions, being involved in evangelism so we can buy these bracelets and go tell people about Jesus and so we can have a food pantry and go lead folks to Christ and so we can have discipleship resources so the choir will have music to sing. We've got instruments that we can play and things like that so we can have staff and we can support them and so that we can make much of Jesus and do the things. If you want to be a part of God's work, tithe. And then finally, if you want to be amazed at God's faithfulness, <laughs> tithing's for us if you want to be amazed at God's faithfulness Christian life is a life of faith everywhere in scripture everywhere in scripture that you see people stepping out in faith you see them just amazed <laughs> at what God does for them you think about the children of Israel standing on the edge of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army barreling in on top of them about to destroy them, take them back to slavery. And they're standing right there. Well, what do we do? What do we do? And God says to Moses, tell them to step forward. Take the step. I think that was the first sermon I preached here, wasn't it? I know you all remember all of my sermons, but it was the first sermon I preached here, by the way. And so they took the step and the sea parted and they went, oh my, can you just imagine? Peter and the disciples out there in the boat. Storms coming up. They're freaking out. They're scared to death. Look out there and see somebody walk, <laughs> walking on the water. Hey guys, I think that's Jesus. Hey Jesus, if that's you, 
Call to me and tell me to come out there with you. Can you imagine what the other guys in the boat were doing when Peter hollered at Jesus? Yeah, Peter, finally. <laughs> John, I told you, he's gone around to being, man. I'm just, yeah, I, I, you know, we knew he was crazy. He'd keep running his mouth all the time. Now he's hollering at this person. I mean, there's somebody walking on the water, first of all. Now Peter's hollering at him. And then they hear a familiar voice. Come on, Peter. It's me. What do you think those disciples felt like then? When Peter was the only one willing to take that step and get, oh, well, he, he took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah, but he was on the water. Everybody else was still in the boat. Amazing. You want to be amazed at God's faithfulness? Trust him. Step out in faith. Yeah, I'm talking about tithing, but I'm talking about every area of your life. You know why we don't? Because we're scared. We live in fear. We really don't trust God as much as we say when we're sitting in a big group of people like this. But then when he gets out there and it's shown enough time to trust God, we just we shrink back in fear. Man, we can't let the enemy have the victory in that. So I challenge you today in this area of your life, obviously, the, you know, the point of the sermon, test God. Test him. I heard of a guy that actually told his church, I didn't do this in the other two, ser uh, two services, so I guess I'll say it to you. You try it for 90 days, and if God doesn't bless your socks off, I'll give you money back. Do we trust God that much? Do we believe him that much? But now it's just, that's not just tithing. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then give you, step out in faith. If you're living in fear right now of some area of your life, then step out in faith. I'm not saying it's going to make everything just fine. And never, but man, we can be amazed at God's faithfulness if we would step out in faith. Individually, and as a church, as the people of God. Let's step out in faith today. Let's test God. Let's trust Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, help us today, Father, to trust you, to test you, Lord. It, it, it almost feels weird to pray that, God, and yet you said, test me. So, Lord, help us to understand what that means and to figure that out, to trust you, Lord, and to test you. Help us, Father. We trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.